Now here is the top news stories of the day with Larry Hardesty. All right, my friend, let's begin with the National Football League. The Jets and Giants announced they will not have fans at home games this season until further notice because of the coronavirus pandemic. The teams who play at MetLife Stadium in East Rutherford, New Jersey, have separate training facilities in the state, but they released a joint statement today after Governor Phil Murphy announced an executive order limiting outdoor public gatherings to 500 people. Both teams say the decision to not have fans, at least for now, was reached after discussions with the governor, with the health and safety of fans, players and staff being considered. Well, our Ritz reports the Jets have signed first-round pick Mecky Becton, according to the team. Based on the rookie slotting system, it's a four-year, $18.45 million deal, including a $10.98 million signing bonus. Contract fully guaranteed with a cap charge of $3.35 million in 2020. Becton, drafted 11th overall, is the odds-on favorite to start at left tackle. Jets also signed defensive and Jabari Zuniga in the third round, uh, quarterback James Morgan in the fourth. They are still looking to sign Ashton Davis to safety in the third and Braden Mann, their sixth draft choice. Also, Jordan Renan of ESPN reports giant rookies and quarterbacks now scheduled to report to training camp this Thursday. Full team by the 28th. Camp will be conducted out of MetLife Stadium to allow for physical distancing. Only aspects of camp that will be held at the the Giants facility are the actual practices. There also will be an acclimation period that lasts several days. Injuries are an even bigger concern than usual coming off a virtual spring. The NFL and its players have reached an agreement on the testing aspect of their COVID-19 safety protocol as training camps get set to open over the next couple of weeks. And according to that situation, the memo obtained by ESPN, the NFL and NFL Players Association will require COVID-19 testing for the first two weeks of training camp. Adam Schefter was on the Michael K Show with Don LaGreca and Bart Scott to explain the COVID-19 protocol. Basically, players wanted testing done every day. The NFL wanted it done every other day. And the way they compromised in the end was that the testing is going to be done every day for the first two weeks of training camp. That's how they'll do it in the beginning. And then after that, basically, they'll start testing every other day if the positive test rate falls below 5%. If it doesn't, they'll keep testing daily. So players wanted to try to make sure that they were keeping their family safe. This is their way of doing it. And I know a lot of people are upset, bothered by the fact that they feel like sports is taking away from testing the public. Not everybody in the public can get testing. And all I can say is that it's not my job to defend the NFL, the players here, but they have continued to insist that they're not going to be doing anything in their mind that they believe compromised the public. They're going to be paying for everything they get, and they're going to be spending money to procure the testing they need and get it done somehow, some way. All right, we'll see what happens. As you heard at the top of the hour, Shefty was also quoted as saying, the sources tell him that the NFL wanted to have no preseason games. And that's what the, you know, they offered the National Football League Players Association, but we don't know what the players would have to give up to accept that. We'll keep an eye on that. That could be one of our top stories tomorrow night in Top Stories. In the Yankees' last exhibition game before the sprint to 60 begins Thursday night against the defending champion Washington Nationals, they ended with a 2-2 tie after nine innings against the Phillies. Managers Aaron Boone and Joe Girardi decided not to go extra innings so we could see the run on second base to start the 10th inning. I was looking forward to that. Not really. Aaron Judge and a game-time pitching home run by Mike Ford in the bottom of the ninth provided the Yankee offense. Yes, analyst David Cohn spoke to LaGreca and Scott on TMKS this afternoon, and he's got no concerns about the Bombers. 
No, you know, I think the interesting part to me is is that now that, you know, this sort of reboot, the summer camp, is uh, the Yankees are healthier than they've ever been, you know, with the, with the exception of Luis Severino. You've got Aaron Hicks in center field that pushes Gardner over to left field, and now Stanton can be a DH the majority of time and, and kind of save his legs. And Aaron Judge has looked great. Jordan Montgomery looked fantastic last night. You know, a young lefty coming back from Tommy John surgery, throwing the ball 95, 96 miles an hour. It seems like he's really gain velocity and sharpness on his pitches. So to me, that was exciting. The Yankees are loaded. Their, their entire roster is really loaded, including some exciting young arms. The Mets are preparing for this season to open their Friday against Atlanta. Will Jacob DeGrom be the starter? Well, manager Luis Rojas gave an update on his ace this afternoon. Yeah, well, got, got some good reports. Um, you know, Jake was Jake. I mean, uh, you know, at the best level. Uh, I think he faced 14 batters there. 14 at 14 bats you know and uh nine nine strikeouts and uh i think the reads were like 98 to triple digits uh on his fastball and then you know the slider mix reads were like also where he usually is like performing so everything went, went well there so uh pretty much lined up right now great news on the grom but when you talk pitching for the mets the starters are not the major concern it's the bullpen once again david Cohn from the yes network weighed in on the michael k show and what he expects from the met relievers this season you can make a couple of different arguments here i think it's very reasonable from a baseball standpoint and, and certainly from a you know kind of a if, if you're into the new metrics or the data standpoint that diaz and familia will bounce back they were not that bad last year. It was a little bit of an aberration. There was a little bit of bad luck in there. And, yeah, there was some bad pitching. The life of a reliever is really tough. You have a couple of bad outings, and the next thing you know, you're, you're under the gun and your numbers look really bad. But if you peel back the layers and look at uh, you know some of the inside numbers on both of those guys, I think you could reasonably expect they're going to bounce back to where they usually are, pretty close to their average career numbers. And just that in and of itself, will dramatically improve the Mets' bullpen. Now, you throw Batances in the mix there, and he's healthy. He was throwing in the mid-90s the other night. I think uh, that, that was a great sign for Dellen. Dellen, his arm is getting stronger. Uh, he's going to fit right in there as a swing-and-miss guy in, in their bullpen. Seth Lugo is as good as anybody I've seen. You know, that curveball is just nasty. Uh, he could easily be a starter, and the Mets have the luxury to keep him in the bullpen. So I think the bullpen is probably going to really bounce back for the Mets this year. I think the problem for the Mets is going to be defense. You know, the one thing that they need to answer is with all that good pitching and their bullpen solidifies, you need to catch the ball. And uh, that, that's kind of the story for the Mets for a long time. It was uh, You know, sometimes they have players playing out of position that can really hit. But, you know, the defense suffers. So, to me, that's what I look at with the Mets is uh, can they support that great pitching staff with, with good defense? Look, Coney's right. Uh, the defense is going to be an issue. There's no question about it. And hopefully, guys will just be able to make the play. Just <laughs> catch the ball. That's all. It's very simple. You've been doing this since Little League. We're talking about the Mets' first uh, opposition. That will be Atlanta and first baseman Freddie Freeman. You heard contracted the COVID-19 virus and shared his challenges battling that virus. Friday night, that was the scariest night for me. I spiked to 104.5 fever. Thankfully, George wasn't awake when I texted him because I probably would have gone to the hospital. But two minutes after that, I uh, gunned my forehead again. I was 103.8. Then I was 103.2 and then 103.6. So I was like, all right, if I go above 104 again, I'll probably just start ringing the phone, you know, try to figure this out. I said a little prayer that night because I've never been that hot before. My body was really, really hot. So I said, please don't take me. (laughs) I wasn't ready. You know, it was a little 
little worrisome that night for me. I took some NyQuil, some Tylenol, and, you know, I was able to get to sleep. I was just scared to go to bed. I was scared if I spiked even higher when I was sleeping, what would happen. That's a scary feeling, right? Especially when you don't know what's going on. You're not sure what's happening and your your temperature continues to rise and rise and rise and you're, you're battling. Do I want to go? Do, I don't know what to do. Should I call the hospital? Should I not call the hospital? And then the really thing that stuck out in my mind for what he said was when he simply said, I wasn't ready to go. I didn't want them to take me. It's scary. Said to the NBA. LeBron James was playing his base basketball of the season when the coronavirus pandemic put the NBA schedule on hold and the Los Angeles Lakers still had 19 games left to play. So with the NBA set to restart in Orlando next week with 22 teams instead of all 30, the league determined that voters for its season award should only consider games played through March 11th to choose the winners. And the King is okay with that. I'm going to show what I'm capable of doing, um, you know, not only individually, but from a team's perspective, us being number one in the West. Um, there was a lot of conversation about, you know, LeBron can do those things in the East, but if he ever came to the West, what can he do? You know, uh, so, you know, I heard all of that. And uh, to be able to, to, to have our team at, at the top of the Western Conference and, and playing the way that we were playing at that time and the way I was playing, um, you know, that's, a, that's definitely a good feeling. Just curious, wonder who Brian Windhorst chose for MVP. Well, he told all on Get Up this morning. Giannis Antetokounmpo has had one of the greatest statistical seasons um, we've seen in the modern era. Um, don't waste your money on the 5-1. to one. Uh, Giannis is going to win the award. There's a chance that Giannis could win both MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. Um, he's absolutely been spectacular. You look at his numbers, the raw data is absolutely impressive when you look at his efficiency and his scoring. You think about what he does defensively for one of the greatest uh, defenses we've seen in the regular season in in at least 10 or 15 years. And you think about that he's actually played only a little over 30 minutes a game because they were protecting his minutes. A masterful season, and he's going to get my vote, and he's going to also be a back-to-back MVP. Interesting. Well, look, Giannis was the wire-to-wire person that done it. Listen, LeBron had some great games down the stretch, but Giannis really dominated from beginning to end. Before we leave the NBA, Tobias Harris was asked about life under the bubble. His answer was not what you might expect. Um, You know, nothing against the T-shirts, but we want to make sure that Daniel Cameron will arrest the cops and officers involved with Breonna Taylor's death. And um, yeah, that's all I got to say. Thanks, T. Um, that's going to gonna be my answer for every question. Fair enough. For Daniel Cameron to step up and to do what's right. And that's the only message I got today. I appreciate everybody. Thanks. So if you were wondering how the players were going to keep the issue of social injustice and social referendum and social change in the forefront... Here's an example of what you're going to get. And while they weren't able to decide what should be on a uniform or what should be, what couldn't be, what has to be, what is going to be, all that stuff, here's what you do. And he made his statement and he said, whatever you ask me, that's going to be my answer. And so guess what? He made his statement and clearly nobody else was going to ask him any more questions because that was the only answer they were going to get. So we'll see how more of these issues are going to remain in the forefront 
during the time the NBA is in the forefront under the bubble in Orlando. How will they continue to do this? There was some talk before that they were going to have different seminars. They were going to have guest speakers to talk. I'm very curious to see how they work together to continue to give out their message that there needs to be change in this country. That's top stories for today. Thank you, Giselle, Joel, and Kyrie.